he pulled out twenty dollars and he laid that money down. And he called out to a taxi cab, take me down to Central Park and keep that meter running to the twenty dollar mark. And he kept his eyes turned forward and he sat up straight and tall. And no one even noticed him. No one cared at all. It's a fine, fine day. Hey everybody, welcome back to The Hustle, it's John Lamoureux. Okay, I'm excited, this week is one of our most requested guests over the years. We're talking to Tony Carey. Now, I, I don't know if everyone knows the Tony Carey story. I didn't really know it. I had There were a lot of holes in there that I needed to get filled. That's why I reached out to him. So in the late 70s, he kind of blasts onto the main stage when he joins Rainbow. And he plays keyboards on that Rising album. Well, pretty soon he realizes he and Richie are not a good match. We've heard this story before from people like Graham Bonnet. So he decides to focus on his solo career. And his solo career is kind of confusing. It goes on, it's been going on all this time, but in the early 80s, he starts having some success with his uh, Fine Fine Day song that you're hearing right here. I think we all remember this. Remember the video? That video was awesome. And it's from the Some Tough City album. Well, what was a little confusing was almost at exactly the same time, he had another hit called Why Me under his side project, Planet P. So both things are kind of going on at the same time for a little while, but he quickly realizes that the rat race of the rock and roll lifestyle of LA is not for him at all. And he picks up sticks and moves to Germany. And he's been in Germany ever since. And sometimes he puts out albums as Tony Carey. Sometimes he puts them out as Planet P. Sometimes he produces other people, German artists that most of us don't know. But it's been interesting because all of the people who request Tony over the years always add, how does that guy make a living? What is he doing? Where is he? What is going on? And you'll find in the course of this conversation that we don't see him because he's not in the US very often, but he's been fine very busy for decades over in Germany. In fact, he put out a new album back in 2019 called Lucky Us. And he's been putting out some singles ever since. So there's lots of material out there. It's just that we don't see it as much. So anyway, I thought it would be interesting to hear from Tony. I love people like Tony. First of all, he's got a great sense of humor, very laid back, entirely self-aware. That is always key to me in a good interview is someone who can laugh at themselves. They own their mistakes, they own what they've done in their lives, and they get on with it, and they're introspective. I love people like that, and Tony is just like that. So anyway, I think you're going to enjoy this. If nothing else, it's just a joy to hear Tony talk, because he's a funny guy. So anyway, I hope you enjoy it. He called me from his home outside of Frankfurt. All right, start fire away. Okay, let's go. First and foremost... Um, so I was trying to remember the very first concert I ever went to. Your memory may not remember, may not know this either. The very first concert I ever went to was in 1984. I was 11 years old. I grew up in Salt Lake City. So I went to Park City, Utah and saw uh, Night Ranger. Okay. And I learned getting ready to talk to you that you opened for Night Ranger on some shows back in 1984. I don't okay. remember Salt Lake City. Okay. Okay. That's I might what I have. Be- 
but okay. I might have. I don't remember much. This was okay. a long time ago. Of course. That's why I prefaced it that way. I don't remember who the opener was either. And uh, Shame and on you. I know. I know. And it was my first show. And I wondered if yeah. maybe I didn't get there in time. Anyway, I was a kid and I went with my mom. And Yeah. Tickets. Anyway, I as, was trying to remember one, if I... As one, do, as one as, does at 11. <laughs> Yeah, I was trying to remember if I had seen if I had seen you in concert. I'm not even sure. Um, Gee, I must okay. have been really great that night. <laughs> well, I remember Night Ranger, even though at the time I only knew Sister Christian and maybe one or two other songs. I didn't know much, but it was exciting, you know. Yeah, and so I was trying were, to think. They were, they were exciting band. Yeah, they were great. Yeah. They had Brad on guitar and they had what's his name, the little the little guy on bass and lead, Vojak on Jack, the bass and lead. Jack, they were a great yeah. band. They had a great keyboard player. Great, they were a great band. They were. They were. Yeah. I I just saw them again a couple of years ago, and they played their first albums in their entirety. First couple no albums kid. in their entirety. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. They're great guys. Jack Blades. That was yes, his name. That's and it. Brad, what's Brad's last name? Gillis. Brad Gillis, and he yep. played then for after that he played for Ozzy, I think. That's right. And they yeah. had a second guitarist, Jeff Watson. In yeah, the band. he was fabulous. He was yes, great. He yes, they, that was that was their thing. The two guitars together. They were, uh -huh. they, were they were fabulous. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So I'm, your career is kind of complicated to me. Yeah, I, uh, to you. <laughs> to me too. I want to get into why you're in Germany and all that kind of stuff. And, and cause I, yeah. it's sometimes confusing to know what albums are official releases, what are planet mm. P, what are anyway, in getting ready to talk to you, I discovered, I, I know a lot of your music, but I had for whatever reason missed the new machine. Mm -hmm. And I love that album. That's probably mm -hmm. my favorite Tony Carey album. And when I was cool. looking into it, it did come out. I don't think until like 2009, but it sounds older than that. Is it a bunch of demos? What's the story of new machine? It was the attempt at a third planet P record. Oh, that, uh, to follow pink world. Uh huh. That everybody, including me kind of gave up on. For because I was doing other stuff, it was in nineteen. Uh, I did in nineteen eighty five, I think. And by that time, I was in the middle of. I kind of changed my path, as it were, and uh, I was producing. And I've in in eighty five, I was producing a bunch of huge German artists and uh -huh. writing a bunch of number one songs. Uh -huh. These artists and. Uh, compounded by the fact that I'd split with my um, business partner mm. who robbed me blind, but he's Ooh. dead, so it doesn't matter. Okay. And uh, he died. And uh, um, uh, so the new machine just sat there, basically, unfinished. And I dug it up. I don't know what your release date is, but I dug it up at one point. I had it and said, hey, this is actually pretty good. And uh, what's on it? The new machines on it. Uh, lion. What's the I'm running first... with the lions? Is on yes. It? Yes.
Um, there was another one. The first two have animals. Um, <laughs> what's the other one? Eagle flies alone. The eagle flies alone. Yes. Yes. Which which um, is kind of embarrassing, but that's American patriotic song. Of course. in a minute finish the yeah. new machine story well yeah and and okay I had this, so these were leftovers saw. from the 80s yeah and okay. and uh i matter of fact as you refresh my memory running with the lions and there was two more on that session running with the lions i did uh, down in munich was uh, the other end of the country uh in the studio belonging to the, this guy i was producing and he didn't uh-huh. have to use the studio and i and that was there were so many top musicians on running with the lions uh guys that i'd never played with before wow all german uh, musicians yeah yeah yeah. well yeah. except for me i played uh yeah. bass keyboards and and most of the guitars and uh, of course sang and uh, yeah so it it was hanging around like i always have shit hanging around and uh-huh. <laughs> i got somebody to do artwork for it and release it in some form probably as a limited edition cd self-released it uh-huh. Probably as a limited edition CD, I think, and it, or it was before downloads even. And uh, yeah, I'm glad you like okay. it. Okay, I do. I love that album. Something that uh, became very crystal clear to me in getting ready to talk to you is that there are basically no love songs anywhere. On that, we well, no, no, no. Not, I mean, there's hardly any love songs anywhere. Not traditional love songs. My a lot album of blue- for you. Uh huh. Is full of love songs. And that's my true. Last, that's true. And my last record, Lucky Us, is full of love songs. That's true. It, it's got it, at that, least one. Yes. Um, I wanted to ask you about Lucky You because that album is Lucky so us. different. It, or Lucky Us, yes. Because it's so beautiful. It's mostly just you and a piano. There's a song on there called The Wind. Stop the wind 
No, I can't hold the water back again. But I can love you, and I will love you. I will be here till the end. And yeah. it introduces this trumpet that's yeah. gorgeous. And I thought, yeah. I'm not, this doesn't sound, first of all, the album doesn't sound like a straightforward Tony Carey album. No. And then this song has trumpet on it. Was that, yeah. is that real trumpet? Is that like synthesizer that's trumpet? That's a, a guy named Jan van Dijker, and he's Dutch. And the Dutch are famous for having the best musicians in Europe. Really? And the best the best jazz musicians. And uh, he's a buddy of mine, and I met him, and he he played that. He came and blew us away with that. But what the wind is, is a, a, a remember when Donald Trump said about North Korea, he said fire and fury, uh-huh. and you know, hit, hinted at like nuclear war, and now it's just uh-huh. coming out that he really did want to nuke them. Uh-huh. We, we're living um, about half an hour from Frankfurt, Germany, which is the financial center. It's like Wall Street or the city yeah. of London. It's the financial center of continental Europe. And if, if a nuke, Nuke, a big nuclear event happened, we would see this flash. We're about 30 miles away, and then a couple of minutes later, would become this wind, and that's what yeah. that is. Really? And the song is a love song in that. The premise of it is, well, I can't stop the wind. I'm just a guy. Uh-huh. Uh, I can't hold the water back again if there's a flood, but I can love you, and I'll be here till the end. And we were sitting, I was sitting with my wife on the porch and just, you know, uh-huh. They heard this fire and fury thing from Mr. Trump, and I was, what? Yeah, I hadn't heard. I hadn't heard nuclear uh, thermonuclear war stories since. The he 80s. said a lot of things that caused us to say, "What?" Yeah, what the fuck? Yeah, so that was like. I said, well, <laughs> if that does happen, we'll just take the, the 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 lawn chairs out in the back and wait for it and watch it. And, <laughs> but that's that's what the that's what the wind. Wow. Lucky, lucky us is. Uh, I tell you what, it started out as a pretty normal album with drums, bass, guitars, really? choirs, uh, this and that. And I entered and am still in my minimalist phase. Uh-huh. And I just started taking stuff away. And uh, the first thing I took everything away from was Hawkeye Road. Yeah. And and that set the tone for the rest of the album, which is no. piano, my voice. And there's some orchestration, and the orchestration mm-hmm. is uh, out of the box. You know, it's not yeah. real orchestration. It's, it's synthesizers, yeah. samples, and of course the trumpet from from yeah. on, on on the wind. But that's where I was at. And it took me three years to make that really? F word F word record, and it sounds <laughs> like it was done in twenty minutes. It does. But it's there's a Zen thing about a Japanese gardener. And what a Japanese gardener will do, he won't ever add anything to it. His whole task is to take things away uh-huh. and uh, to minimalize because there's a creek running through a Japanese garden. And the way you place the stones changes the sound, mm. which is a meditative 
thing and and uh, spiritual thing. So all he'll do is go out and move one or two stones in his yeah. Japanese garden, or take or remove some. Beautiful. And well, they call it Rick Rubin. Yeah, uh, I've heard th- I've heard this kind of thing before. Yes, not the producer, the reducer. Uh huh. <laughs> that was, was, was his nickname. <laughs> yes. And it's kind of where I'm at these years in that the only thing I'm see the way I play concerts is I just I just have a piano and a guitar, acoustic guitar. Really? And I yeah, and I don't use a band anymore and I I, I tell stories and the concerts are called songs and stories. And because uh-huh. I play in Europe, uh in Scandinavia I can speak English, but in this is kind of absurd in 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 Germany where I mostly play, I explain the songs and tell stories in German to the German speaking audience about what they're going to hear uh-huh. uh, in English. And <laughs> I, I, it's kind of, it's kind of, I don't know, Dostoevsky ridiculous. Yes. <laughs> it's like if you go to a Lamborghini to buy a Lamborghini, uh-huh. an exotic sports car, the salesman doesn't need to tell you anything. He just needs to give you the keys and just take it for a spin. That's right. So playing for an English-speaking audience, I'm the Lamborghini salesman. I don't need to tell them anything. They, but yeah. I use really colloquial, and a lot of people speak English here, but I use really colloquial English and a lot of uh, uh, phrases that aren't wouldn't be part of their vocabulary. So I do take the time in German, a foreign language, to tell uh-huh. them charms the shit out of them and I, I do and i do speak german so well of course you do uh, so my understanding is that you hightailed it to germany almost the first chance you got like late 70s right out of rainbow i came in 78 uh why I tell you what I, I was with i was with richie for 75 76 77 we didn't get along the band was great uh musically personality didn't gel and uh, I mean, I think there's been 30, there were 37 say, rainbow members anyway. Does so. anyone get along with Richie, unfortunately? Oh, we may need to, it seems to be a good place now, but it's 40 yeah. years too late. Yeah. So anyway, I, I I left Rainbow in the middle of the Long Live Rock and Roll album and went back to California. And I got a telegram, remember them? Uh-huh. And I'm not talking about the messaging site. I'm talking <laughs> about a piece of paper delivered by a kid on a bike from Western Union. <laughs> and it was a telegram from a guy I'd met in Munich, Germany, on the Rainbow T- Rising tour, mm-hmm. and he wanted me to come over and play piano on an album he was making. And I said, "Well, send me a ticket, and I'll be over." And he did, and I did. And this was eleventh uh, of August, nineteen seventy-eight. And I left the hundred and five degree temperatures in Southern California, and. <laughs> Came to Europe, and I'd I'd been to in, in Europe. Uh, we we played extensively with Rainbow, but I loved Europe, and, wow. I st- and this was right after Vietnam, and I was kind of disillusioned anyway. I mean, it, yeah. uh, I they actually drafted me in. I got drafted in the army. And I conned my way out of that with a psychiatrist letter that said a lot of unflattering things, most of which were untrue. And uh, <laughs> and, I, and I discovered, so I was uh-huh. not really into guns, war, racism, yeah. homophobia, 
you name it. I'm a hippie, yeah. as you can yeah. see. If you're yeah. just listening and not looking at me, I got a head <laughs> under my tits. Still, although it's all still, although it's white now. Uh huh. And um, it's not a fright wig. It's my <laughs> hair. I believe it's it. My hair. <laughs> and I discovered Germany. And and the first at seven years, I lived in in Frankfurt, Germany, which is I live close to there now too. I came back and then I lived in Spain for a while and all over Germany. But the thing is, if, if you get on a plane in Frankfurt, which is the big hub like Atlanta is uh, uh -huh. for Europe, in two hours or three at the most, you're anywhere. You're in any country. If it's yeah. Portugal, Spain, uh, Romania, Romania, uh, Czechoslovakia, Soviet Union, yeah. Russia. I, mean, I, was, I played Russia before all this nonsense. Mm -hmm. I probably won't be playing it again. Mm -hmm. uh, England, Sw no, uh, Scandinavia, all this, with two, three hours tops. Yeah, and I think that's fantastic because really, literally, you 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 cross a border, everything changes. You you go yeah. over the, you you go over the um, border to Poland, which is not uh -huh. far from here, and yeah. you're in Poland, and yeah. they're speaking Polish, and everything's yeah. completely different. This yeah. is amazing to me. All these little cultures, twenty seven uh, uh, European countries, and all the all the all the yeah. Latvia and all the and in the Balkan state, all these countries with their own histories, own cultures. There's castles ten minutes from here. They're 1,100 years old. I'm on the Rhine River, and uh, well, 20 minutes from here. And uh, I'm fascinated by that stuff, and I love it. Yeah. And I'll also say, in the 45 years I've been here, I've never, ever, ever, not a single time, seen any gun violence. I was just going to say that been arrested for anything well yeah. that's not true but it was important <laughs> uh, it's, it's not quite the truth and uh, uh, something silly and uh, uh and never seen been confronted with yeah violence yeah yeah this is the most peaceful cool reasonable place on the planet and i, I you know there's the turmoil in europe occasionally you read the papers uh -huh. but sure but generally speaking yeah you don't have kids shooting each other at school. No. Um, yeah, that's good for you. Yeah. That that sounds idyllic. I uh, I wondered if being in Germany ever. So there's two rivers kind of happening here. There's Tony Carey being <laughs> the defiantly independent artist that you seem to be. Yeah. I mean, anyone who picks up and moves to Germany and says, "I'm staying here and I'm making it work in Germany." Yeah, is doing whatever the heck he wants to do. The so other anyway, thing is, anyway, I've never done anything I didn't want to do. Thank well, it, that is absolutely obvious about your musical output and your career. Yeah. The other thing is, could Tony Carey have, I don't know, become more of a pop star, had more, uh, way more, ever? way yeah. more, no question. I mean, after Rainbow, I could have played with any band in the world. Exactly. Personally. So you made didn't that choice, to. and pro didn't okay, want so to. that was going to be my question. So really, when you think about it, then Fine Fine Day is kind of an anomaly, right? Well, Fine Fine Day wasn't the first; it was uh, the fourth single. No, I know, but I mean, it's the first one that became a big hit. You had uh, like West Coast Summer Nights. Why me was before Fine Fine. Good Day. point. Good point. You're right. It was. You're and right, it was. I won't be home tonight. Was before Fine Fine Day, and yeah. that was one of the very early MTV videos. And when MTV was just starting.
So I went over. That's another story in itself. But but yeah, basically what happened is I found a guy who later was my business partner who owned a studio in Frankfurt, and I was twenty four, and you know obviously hungry. Uh-huh. and uh, wanted to learn how to make records. So uh-huh. he said, well, you can have the studio. Every, when the clients have gone home, you can have it all that long, play the piano. And I said, yeah, great. Sounds uh-huh. good. It's a deal. And then eventually I started recording. And before before Santa City, which was the fine, fine day that you referenced, yeah, and uh, the first day of summer were both big singles from that. Before that, I had recorded six, seven records uh, that got released in germany as uh kind of kraut rock or they are you have like all these instrumental they're almost eno-ish I didn't. I didn't think I was a singer. And you're a great singer. Well, thanks. Whatever. Yeah. A, I tell you what, I'm an expressive singer. I, I mean, yes, it, you it, are. Yeah, great singers are something else, but I can definitely tell a story, and that's the, actually what defines a good singer mm-hmm. is telling the yes. story. But whatever, I, I I did all this instrumental stuff, not even considering singing, and I made some demos for a girl group. Oh. And uh, that this guy was producing. I won't, it, it never went anywhere. But I made, I wrote five songs and and for them and played them. And this girl group was going to do them. This put together Spice Girls type thing. Mm-hmm. And I played them for. I don't know if you know. You ever hear of Boney M? Yes, of course. They're, they're enormous. They sold two hundred million records and this and that. Their producer was right down the road, mm-hmm. and he was a buddy. And I was at his studio, which is not far from Frankfurt. It's a half an hour drive. And I played him on a cassette these five songs. He says, these are for what? I said, they're for like a new girl group. He says, you shitting me. These are hit singles. I said, no, really? He says, yeah, you're this. Who's singing? I said, well, it's me, man. Uh-huh. He says, oh, man, keep going. <laughs> and the guy's name was Frank Farian. And he's, sure. Uh, he's and the Millie Vanilli guy, too. Yeah. Unfortunately, he was also the Millie Vanilli guy. Yeah. But uh, yeah, but he's a cool guy and uh, a guy you'd want to listen to. A very reasonable, uh, intelligent man. And uh, I, I that, that kind of gave me the 
And you'll notice that the the, the, the the first release from me that really exploded was I Won't Be Home Tonight. It's so high yeah. in, in pitch. I, I, I slowed the master tape down and sang it because it was way too high for me. Uh, <laughs> and we sped it back up to normal. It sounds a little Mickey Mouse. It's great. It's it's not my it's not my voice, you know. And yeah. it, it, it's me singing, of course. But it's how it sounds like like you know you take a hit of helium, uh-huh. <laughs> and that's how I did that. That first album is so fun because it reminds me of kind of this mixture of new wave and AOR rock that was, you know, yeah. happening a lot of the time and uh, almost like survivor and Greg Kinn mixed together. Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's of its time for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, but it doesn't, I do. I mean, the, the artist that you would become more famous for and then quickly do what, I mean, you're famous now for doing whatever the hell you want to do, but yeah. um, those little tiny seeds are in there. What I am curious about is when Why Me takes off, Yeah. why not just stay Planet P from then on? I mean, you have you have this golden opportunity. I can do whatever I want. I have a label paying me to do two different things. No, two labels, two different labels. That's, oh, that's really? The, that's the seed of the problem. Uh, I, was on, I was on Geffen. They signed... Planet P Project, at first Planet P. We had to change the name because of Planet Patrol. Oh. Uh, they sued us, and we changed the name to Planet P Project. Okay. Planet Patrol was a funk band. In okay. The early eighties, and uh, but they copyrighted the name. So uh-huh. anyway, oh, uh, it's a crazy story, like <laughs> they all are. But there was a guy at Geffen. Oh, I'm not even going to mention his name, but he kind of defined the music industry in the 80s uh um reinvented aerosmith and uh, oh yeah you know who i mean i think well i'm wondering the beard uh jit kalotner yeah that guy okay he signed me came over to came over to germany in the studio and liked why me but it didn't have drums on it It had electronic Uh drums on it so Uh while he was there we got a drummer in, and we got this kid to do that great guitar solo that yeah. Dave Gilmore did, like guitar solo. Uh-huh. So he signed me basically as a solo artist and as Planet P Project because they wanted to release Planet P, then some Tough City, uh-huh. and then Pink World, and then uh-huh. Blue Highway, uh-huh. and which was confusing as hell. And the, and the whole thing was that the that I didn't get along with this guy. Uh-huh. And 
what the thing he would do is he would go into the studio and he was an A&R man, but he would, and people took his advice and they had made a lot of money, but he would say, though, I don't like the lyric or no, I, we got to record this again. And my feeling was always, listen, I'll make the music, you sell it, yeah. market it, which is, you know, contrary and young. I'm not sure if I do that today, but he didn't like the a fine fine day he he didn't like the title he wanted me to change oh, it. Huh. and i thought it was very reminiscent of john steinbeck who was reading totally. all the time oh or uh and he didn't like the first day of summer The whole world knows your name. He wanted me to change that. And I thought that was so expressive. Yeah. I said, what a wonderful feeling. On the, on, it's June 21st and the whole world knows your name. What could be, what could be, it feels like the whole world knows your yeah. name. What could, be, what could be finer? So I said flat, no. So he traded me like a baseball player to MCA Records, which was Irving Azoff, who, who manages the Eagles. He's a billionaire, all this. So... Geffen released Planet P, which had Why Me on it, and a couple others. There were MTV videos. MCA released Some Tough City, uh, which was um, had First Day of Summer and Fine Fine Day on it. Geffen had passed on Pink World. This guy said, he's either a genius or he's fucking crazy, but we're not releasing it. Because what I what it did was, Talking about this is artistic suicide. I know all this. Yeah. It's commercial yeah. suicide. I followed the first day of summer, the top 40 single, the first day of summer with Pink World. Settle up your fears. 
which is a double pink vinyl uh-huh. album, a post-apocalyptic album about a seven-year-old messiah who gets crucified in the end, and it makes absolutely no sense unless you're paying attention. And the first day of summer is in a really easy song. tells tells a little story and has a catchy hook. It's got girls in the video without tattoos, and it was of of its time. Yeah. And so Geffen didn't want any part of of the Second Planet P album. So once again, uh, MCA released it. It there's there's more there's tons of stories, but that's that's the gist. That makes sense. I uh, I it's so. I mean, you said it yourself it is so confusing to kind of try and figure out who's doing what and where and the fact that you're you know over on the other side of the world basically as a home base um i'm curious i remember being a little kid and seeing the fine fine day video yeah and here's this guy who looks like a wrestler or a stocky like football player yeah and he's got long hair like share and you don't look like anyone else ever You've never cut I love your the hair. Sh- I love the share comparison. <laughs> well, kind of. You look like if, if share was a football player. You I know? get it. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> did anyone? Was there? Did I mean marketing? You know, uh, divisions and whatnot. Record labels are always trying to like curate a look, or you know, you got to look like this. Nah, talk this like was this, before, sound like this. This was before the look. This was, okay. Uh, I'm, I was still a '70s guy. Yeah, and basically, and and uh, I mean, seventies guys either came out in jeans, uh huh, or velvet suits as Led Zeppelin, yeah, you know, and and uh, you know, or satin that was rainbow. Yeah. We, had, sure. we had satin kimonos and satin <laughs> pants and all that shit. So I was a seventies guy, no rules, and I wouldn't have taken any any direction in okay. that anyway. Yeah. yeah, and and the executives that were current and and popular, they were seventies guys too. Like, okay. you know, Irving Azoff, Eagles, and then he was, all of a sudden, he's the head of MCA. But, you know, the Eagles were very defined the 70s. And David Geffen, you know, this is, these, are all, these are all 70s of course. guys. So, so, no, I never, I never got a bit of that. But well, i tell you what happened about why I turned into uh, a recluse on your side of the planet. Uh-huh. MTV was just starting. Yeah. And Fine, Fine Day came out. And it was number one in, in the MTV charts. It was number one in the rock charts. And my I was everywhere, man. We had a, This was before the internet. And, I mean, we had a – I went over with my family to do a tour. And, you know, we had a TV with cable and MTV. And every three or four hours there was. And it made me uncomfortable. I didn't like it. And oh. uh, I couldn't go into the supermarket. People would point at me, you know, like like, yeah. like recognizable, famous people. That's that's not for me. I didn't handle it well. I didn't enjoy it. Uh, I didn't. I, I much prefer the anonymity. And have people listen to a record and say, what the fuck is that? <laughs> uh, in, in, instead of saying, oh, that's him. Uh-huh. And, and I'd rather... I'd rather not be recognized. And now uh, that's completely at odds with my appearance, but that's just sure. the, the mean streak of me. I refuse to cut it. Right. I'm never cutting my fucking hair. <laughs> so I had it since I was 14 years old. I'll be 70 this year. Oh my gosh. I'm never fucking cutting it. So next, <laughs> I next <wondered>. question. <laughs> okay. So that, what you're telling me then helps me kind of fill in some gaps because when blue highway comes out and it's the follow-up to, um, to 
some tough city. Yeah. There, it doesn't, there's no big hits on it. I don't even know what the title, what the singles would have been. Was that your choice to pull back and like, you know what? I'm not going to play well, the that game was in the middle. That was in the middle of a biz, of my business catastrophe. That was exactly oh, in the middle of that. And here's, no. here's the, my partner who in, in name produced it, but though he's never in the studio. I mean, he never produced anything. I don't think he produced children. I mean, he couldn't produce a couldn't produce a wet shit after a pound of apricots. I mean, sorry, but anyway, I made the records with my engineer, and but he had he had control of the deal, and they wanted to wait on Blue Highway and release it in January or February of '86. And uh, the point is that half of the advance, the those days, kids, they were record labels, and they paid you money to make them. These days you do it in your bedroom and good luck. Yeah. Half of the advance was due on release. So this idiot insisted that Blue Highway come out on the prearranged date, which is, I think September of 85. And the label said, okay, they didn't care. This, this is MCA Records. They said, okay, we'll release it, but we're not going to promote it at all, mm-hmm. at all. So there was no videos. That was the end. That was the end, you know, of, of, uh, uh of my mca adventures because you know you can't these you can't bite the hand that's feeding you yeah and draw blood i mean you can nibble on it you know but you can't but you can't say fuck you i want the advance you're releasing it now and we have Uh a deal deal's a deal they said yeah deal's a deal we'll release it but we won't promote it and the single would have been we want to live Or live, love don't bother me. Or there's five singles on that record, and uh, the record did really well in Europe, in in, uh, in Scandinavia, and in Germany, uh, and didn't even make a dent in America. And I was so disgusted by the whole music business and, and just what was going on, and just what had happened. I could have. Uh, I don't. I don't think uh, retroactively. I try to look forward all the time, or at least be here now. You know, mm-hmm. but in retrospect, in in 1986, after Blue Highway fell out, I got a lawyer and severed all my connections with this this guy anyway. So took uh, the contract, said you know, blow yeah. me. And I could have gone back to America with my track record in '86 and. Picked up where I'd left off with with some tough city. That's for sure. 
Mm-hmm. But I didn't. I, yeah. I wasn't. I wasn't really thrilled by the music business. I didn't see anything attractive about pop stardom or anything. Mm-hmm. And you know, I was still about. I was about thirty at that time. Thirty-two. Mm-hmm. You know, I could have, could have, should have, would have, but I didn't because mm-hmm. I, I didn't care. And I had kids here already. Yeah. And I really liked Germany. And I said, you know, fuck it. And and the other thing is people were coming to me to, to produce them. Joe Cocker and Chris Norman from Smoky. Yeah, yeah. And Milva, who you don't know, but who's an iconic Italian singer. And Peter mm. Maffei, who you don't know, but he sold the most uh, 50 million albums in Germany. Oh, wow. German language. He's like, these are like huge, huge names here. And they all wanted me to produce them. And this is exactly 1985, 86. Yeah. So I said clueless as i am oblivious as i am i said well fuck it i'm gonna stay here and do what i'm doing yeah and you've so been, that's you've what made that's why that's why i just disa- that's why i disappeared that's why i pulled that old houdini that makes sense you know i uh a few years ago i talked to chris thompson who yeah, was my buddy oh your buddies with him okay he sang he sang on seven of my albums yeah back up. really yeah. okay yeah. yes because he has a similar story you know manford man and then he goes and moves. I think he's in Belgium, if I remember yeah, right. Yeah, he's in Belgium. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Such a nice guy. He sent me a really sweet care package with a bunch of CDs and stuff like that. Yeah. Super Christmas. nice guy. But he just Christmas moved there and decided, I'm going to make it work from here. I'm going to do you it know. from here. Yeah. 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 You know, I mean, he could have been a household name. Anybody that sings, for him, he's the singer's singer. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's like your favorite singer's favorite singer. Uh-huh. I've, I don't even know. It takes a lot of energy okay. to to jump into the deep end of the pool and yeah. keep and keep paddling. Yeah. And there are other things in life, like fishing and yeah. family and travel and history. Mm-hmm. And there are other things in life for some of us. Yeah. That then pop stardom. Yeah. And. uh I've had a very rewarding life, and I mean, and I will for another ten years. Yeah. I'm knocking, I'm knocking on my desk, which is made out of wood. Good, and, but there are other, there are there are other things than than than, yeah. than MTV and these days YouTube clicks. You know, I mean, there are they just are. Well, and, I, and that's the thing that that's why I was mentioning Chris is because you two have carved out a career that you wanted that was better suited to you doing what you wanted on your own terms. And without having to run on the treadmill, if you had moved to LA yeah. and, you know, after and played the LA game, you might've been quickly spit out and your career might be over, but I you managed been, to maintain I, I it. Might on have your been dead. I might've been dead. There were better drugs in LA. Uh, I, was I, mean, s- I mean, really the seventies and the eighties were wild and they were wild enough over here. Mm-hmm. And this is the backwoods. I mean, LA does like eat you up. And, and you uh, have a couple stints in rehab. One and one. Oh, okay. And it, and it worked. It was oh, in 19, ni- 1994, so that means 29 years. Mm-hmm. I've been clean and sober. Good for you. Speaking of uh, stints, you had stomach cancer, which took no, your buddy, bladder, Dio. Bl- bl- bladder cancer. Bladder. Oh, I thought it was stomach cancer. Ronnie, Ronnie, Ronnie had the stomach. I had the bladder. Oh, and it took him, and you're okay. A miracle. It, uh, I tell you what, the thing is that the symptoms are so different. Stomach pain, stomach cancer, probably, I would say, definitely is like an ulcer. Yeah. 
or something. And you and you just you would uh, tend to attribute that to shitty road food. Ronnie was on the road with his band all the time, mm-hmm. all the time, and shitty catering, not enough sleep, yeah, lousy travel. He was a sensitive guy, yeah. so you might not check up the first time you have a stomach ache. And the thing is, if you get a, a tumor, okay, bladder cancer is something completely different. You have your bladder, and the tumors grow on the inside. Mm. And uh, if you ignore the symptoms, uh, and there are no symptoms except mm. for one, and the one is if you see blood in your urine. That mm-hmm. is a symptom of several things, the worst of which is cancer, and, 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 and the least, the most innocuous of which is, is a, a bladder infection. Mm-hmm. And I was fortunate enough, curious as I am, watching myself pee, I saw a drop of blood and I went to the doctor. And they, they did a bunch of tests. It took two or three months. Mm-hmm. And they finally determined I had two one enormous tumor covering a smaller tumor, but they were all in my bladder. Mm. So they took the bladder out, and I don't know if you're conversant with with uh, with cancer, and it's a gruesome topic. But there's a solution for it, and this was uh, in 2009. It's 13 years ago, and they they, they took my bladder out, gave me a fake bladder, it mm. glues onto my belly, and. Mm. There, not a single cancer cell had escaped. And that's the point is that with cancer, if, if like if you have thyroid cancer, you're yeah. always going to survive it almost. And prostate cancer these days, you're almost always going to survive it. And if, if the bladder is, if the, if the tumor is inside the bladder and hasn't spread, metastasized, mm-hmm. then you're fine. So they ran me through a, the, we call it MR, MRI here, mm-hmm. uh, MRT here, but it's the MRI for you. MRI, the, yeah. The, they ran me through that with a with a, a contrast stuff that they pump into you, and the guy told me if you had a cancer a cell in your body it would light up like a Christmas tree, and there was nothing. I'm, I'm cancer free. Good for it, you. They, they actually took it out, and it was gone. Good. Ronnie's a different story because uh, he probably ignored it and put it down to get a stomach ache. I'm on the road. I feel shitty. There's a lot of tension, mm-hmm. and this and that, and and it spread, and yeah. and it. It, when it spreads is when you have a problem. That's why you see people dying of breast cancer. It's not because mm-hmm. if a breast cancer cell gets into your bones, it's not bone cancer. It's still breast cancer. Mm-hmm. It's just the, the DNA of the of the cancer cell, but it'll kill you. Yeah. Or it gets in your, in your brain, you get a brain tumor. Yeah. That's still breast cancer, even though it's in your brain. And that's why you yeah. see people dying of that. The, the obvious thing is, well, just remove it or, you know, have yeah. a mastectomy and then it's gone. Nah, if you're too late, it's not gone. Oh. And that and that's what happened to Ronnie. That's tough. Were you two still in touch? Did you? I, I mean, I, I know... was in touch with his wife with Wendy. Okay, okay. Because uh, it, it sounds like there was drama with Richie, as there is with pretty much everybody. But you know, Cozy and Jimmy Bain, he passed away a while ago too. I that think. pissed me off. He died of undiagnosed lung cancer. Really? On a, on a cruise ship. I remember this. Eddie Trunk talked about this. I remember. Uh, yeah, and. It pisses me off because here in Germany, nobody has undiagnosed anything because we have a reasonable healthcare system. Mm-hmm. It's not free. I mean, France, England, Norway, Scandinavia, that, that's for Canada. That's free. I mean, paid by the taxpayer. Here in Germany, it's not free. I pay something nominal, $450 a month or something. Mm-hmm. And 
but and go to any doctor anytime. There's no co-pays or anything. And Jimmy was broke and and living in uh, the L.A. area. And he started last in line, I guess, with Vivian Campbell or the, the Dio tribute mm-hmm. band. Mm-hmm. And I know that Jimmy was my pal, you know, and I know he never went to the doctor because that's, first of all, the way he thought. And second of all, he couldn't afford it. Mm-hmm. So he didn't show up for the sound check and they went and found him dead in his bunk on this cruise oh. ship. Oh. And the autopsy revealed that that was lung cancer. Oh, it man. spread all through him and killed him because he couldn't afford to go to a doctor. And it's just that, horrible. That made me really angry. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. Cozy, Cozy ran his car into a tree or something. Yeah. He was always nuts. He was always crazy. He he drove Formula Two for Marlboro team. He drove race cars. Oh, I didn't know. And that. when we were recording uh uh Long Live Rock and Roll, he got a hold of a go-kart and drove it and terrorized all the neighborhood. It was in this little village in, in France and he terrorized everybody. It was clear <laughs> that he was out of his mind. Yes. And eventually drove his car into something and that was oh, oh man it's tough the people you've seen in your career my gosh um okay one in getting ready to talk to you you were talking earlier about label issues and promotional issues and stuff like that yeah. there's a story around your cold war kids album that i found really interesting because my understanding is there that is? when you went when you made the if there is an interesting story because my understanding is when you made the you made a deal with the label I'll do this, but you have to promote it. They said, absolutely. We'll get totally behind it. And then they didn't. No, no, no. they did promote oh. it, but not in America. I made That's the right. album in Times Square at uh, with Ben Wish, who produced Mark Cohn, walking in Memphis. Oh, yeah. And I really wanted to work with this guy. And the label here sent me, they spent 400000 bucks on this record. This was, I mean, 1994. That's, that was a major budget for a German label. And they put me up for weeks in this great hotel in Times Square. We were at uh, Quad Studios. Wow. And we, and we had Kenny Aronoff played the drums and anything. We had basically anything we wanted. So the the deal I made with, with the label, it was a, it's a verbal, of course. You can never guarantee anything. It says, I'll, I'll do this record. I'll do it in America. I'll do it with the American producer, but I want it released in America. Mm-hmm. And... It came out and it was released in Germany, Austria, Switzerland, and Scandinavia. So I don't know what your story is, but what I did was I got a lawyer and I went in and ripped the contract up in front of the whole board. Really? And uh, I paid them uh, equivalent of about $50,000. And I said, I'm out of this. I'm leaving. Yeah. So that's what happened. It makes no sense because that album, especially the song, I mean, you just... There isn't a more American song than Walking in Memphis. And so if you're going to go to all the trouble to make an album that sounds uniquely, specifically American, and then not release it in America, that makes no point. Spent 
guy was an idiot. The guy was oh, a complete. The guy was in over his head. Yeah, he was an idiot. Eventually, he went to England and he worked for Atlantic Records. He was, in fact, the president of, or vice president of Atlantic Records in, in England or Virgin or one of those English, yeah. an English label. But, I mean, typical commercial suicide. Me, I got so pissed off. I just wrote him a check. I said, "You can consider our contract over." Oh, and nobody said anything, so on I went. Yeah. What's the? We were talking earlier about collaborations with people. How did you get Eric Burden on No Man's Land? He was my brother, born the day I left. He took the mother load, I took the rest. He was on tour. We had the same label, and uh, it was a label idea. And I was in my studio, and he was on tour. And the label said, "Hey, would you do a duet with with uh, Eric Burden?" And I said, "Sure." I said, "No, no." They said, "Wait a minute. We want Anna Heigus on it too, who's a real, real popular German singer." Okay. So there's three of us on that actually. Yeah, I didn't know so who I, she was, but she sounded amazing. She's terrific, and she's had a, quite a career here. So Good. I produced her as well, and so I knew her, and uh, I produced actually her her biggest record. And so I'm in my studio, and I said, okay. And I wrote I wrote the song. I played everything on it. It's all me. Uh-huh. And uh, Eric staggered up into my studio and sang it in one afternoon. We had a great time. And uh, uh, then we did then we did about. 10 German TV shows together. Yeah. That's 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 going to be on YouTube somewhere. Oh, I've seen Him, that. I was watching it on YouTube, yeah. 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 Now, you, why did you use the word staggered? I won't go into that. It was the <laughs> 80s, man. I'll tell you what, somewhere, somewhere, there's a video, and I hope it never sees the light of day or hope it's been erased. Mm-hmm. Somebody had the bright idea after a long studio day for me and Eric, it's, it, the song's No Man's Land, the blue and the gray. It's about the 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 the, the Civil War and the Confederacy and against the Union. So they get they got me a Confederate uniform. It's over here in Germany, and they got Eric, who's British, a, a Union, the blue and gray Civil uh-huh. War era uniforms with swords, oh my like gosh. like plastic swords, but uh-huh. swords. And we're supposed to have, have this duel. On the shores of this beautiful alpine lake, which was uh-huh. where I, I was living and had my studio. And we were both like 
eight sheets to the wind, and it must be it must look so silly. And it's as soon as the camera crew and the light, we were losing the light. It was summer, but it, it, it's light here till ten thirty in the evening. Uh -huh. but it was late. We were losing the light. We were both like, you know, <laughs> a, a long studio day in the eighties. That should tell you everything. Yes, that somewhere, does. somewhere that somewhere that that video exists oh my gosh that's all i'm afraid of i never want that i never want that's that's a skeleton in my closet <laughs> i bet um the reason okay so the reason i pressed on staggered is because you mentioned earlier about joe cocker and i was going to ask you about that too Just look how far we've come in this world Where'd you think we'd be? You think the world wakes up in noon And you left it all behind the tune All the melodies are hard to find Why did you go away Leave me alone There's not That you go. In the eyes of the woman I see. Uh, you know, I love I loved him and uh I'm sad that he's gone, but he probably staggered in and out of a lot of places too. What was I, it like I, working I, with you? I got him on a I got him a good period. Uh good. I've I've seen he was a buddy of a friend of mine, but before I was in any band, I was in uh, L.A. for my first band, got my first record deal. I was 19 and ABC Dunhill brought my band out to, to West Hollywood to, to produce a record. We never got it finished. We couldn't. We were working with Gary Katz, the Steely Dan guy who we never got anything recorded in, in a year. And I'd met Joe. And Joe was living in a rental house in West Hollywood, and I had a key to it because he had a piano, and he was always on tour. He said, you can go play. So I knew him from the old days, as it were. And I've seen all the pictures of him coming on stage and puking and all that. Uh -huh. he, he had an alcohol problem for sure. It uh -huh. was just alcohol. It wasn't drugs. And okay. uh, I caught him at a good time. It's the same story. He, we, the label, his label, called me. They needed a film soundtrack for a movie and uh i wrote the lyrics i didn't write the music and they called me and asked me to produce it because he was there he was on, on tour in in germany so i flew up to hamburg which is in the north of germany and sat with him in a hotel bar he drank a beer he was fine it was great and uh 
we talked about old days a little bit and my studio was at the other end of the country uh, by down by austria almost uh, by munich and i said well when you get to town we'll do it and he rolled up with his tour bus full of uh, road musicians not studio musicians and they were fabulous and we had a great you want you got time want to hear a story yeah please and, and uh, the, the band was fabulous and joe had been touring and singing every night and he had three or four beers nothing crazy german beer though and that'll 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 get you but nothing crazy at all but he did a final vocal that i knew wasn't the vocal because he i knew he could do better you know because mm -hmm. it was the end of a long long day so here's what here's what happened his i was most impressed by this the his manager was the guy that promoted woodstock michael oh, lang michael lang yeah yeah and he was in the studio so michael I love that guy. I was I was more in I knew Joe Cocker, but I was really uh -huh. in awe of Michael of Lang. Yeah. And he he came up with this plan. They all stumbled out into the tour bus and drove into Munich where the hotel was, put Joe to bed. This is at eleven, and came back to the studio. It's midnight. because uh, we hadn't managed to get background vocals. We wanted to do a Hammond organ organ overdub, and he had all these great players. And so unbeknownst to Joe, the band put him to bed and says, yeah, you did a great job going to bed. And they all came back on this on this 100-foot tour bus that wouldn't fit in the driveway. It was blocking the street outside the studio. And we worked at 3 or 4 in the morning, and we got the record. So, yeah. But the vocal was still, eh, okay. So I sent the tape, the two-inch tape. In the old days, we recorded on tape, kids. Mm -hmm. I sent the tape, made a copy of it, but then sent it to Santa Barbara where he was living. And he went into the studio and did a beautiful vocal. You know, he was, really? He was, he was, <laughs> so, yeah. And sent it back to me. And I said, yeah, thanks, George. And yeah. Of course. Of course, it's a beautiful vocal. He's a great uh -huh. singer. Yeah. But, you know, on tour. But he was he was not in any kind of like uh, devastated condition. You know, good. He, good. He was okay. fine. He was actually fine. He was a lot of fun. He was humble. He's like, hey, Joe Cockerman. He's a yeah. working class Brit, you know. He really is. Couldn't couldn't believe where he found himself and laughed his laughed us up to death about it. And he was a, yeah. he was a good guy. That's exactly how I envision him. Kind of this, like yeah. you said, a working class blue collar guy who just was blessed with his voice. Yeah, that was otherworldly, and it yeah. carried. It, you know, that's took him to took him to Woodstock. That's it. Yep. Yeah. And then around the world, yeah. Um, speaking of blessed, that band you were talking about, I believe, was called Blessings that you started you out bet. with. And there's like a there is a little bit of a spiritual uh, twinge to some of your stuff. Are you a religious person or a spiritual person? A religious, like no. That? Okay. No, absolutely not. But mm -hmm. spiritual, I think we all are if we think about it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't. I don't. I don't think about it that much. I never. Uh, I have. I've read. I have a. I'm a reader. I read. That's my vice. Is uh -huh. books, and I've I've read. Uh, it's made an informal study, comparative religion study. I've read the Torah. I've read the Koran. I've read the Bible, and I've read a lot about Buddhism and and the Hindu literature and everything. And I mean, I love churches, and I'm in this here. There's a there's a, a cathedral. Around the corner, you can't spit without hitting five churches, and one of them's going to be a thousand years old, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I love that. This is a great vibe. These old it's magnificent true for Europe. 
I love that about Europe too. These magnificent structures, yeah. and the vibe in there is just fabulous. But uh, I think everybody has got, if they can just relax, say fuck it and let it go, has got some connection to the to the universe, which is actually spirituality. And uh, thing is that we're so harangued by these days by smartphones, TV. Uh, there's not much time left to think about things. Yeah. Here's a real quick story. I was on a train. I take the trains here. They go 150 miles an hour and they're comfortable. And I don't like to drive and I don't like being in traffic because it goes 150 miles an hour too. (laughs) Anyway, I took a, taking a train down somewhere and there was 38 people in the, in the car I was in. Uh 36 of them were looking at their iPhone. And the thirty seventh was blind mm. with a with a with a with a white cane and a, and a service dog. And then there's me, and I'm I'm watching them. And folks, I'm holding up my phone. This is what a, a dumb phone. Old, what school. old school. This is a Nokia thirty three ten, kids. And I tell you one thing, it does really really well is make phone calls, <laughs> or you can send an SMS. If you're desperate, it has a two megapixel camera. <laughs> I, think I haven't seen one of those in 20 years. <laughs> I know. I think smartphones are tools of the devil. Uh-huh. I think they're destroying kids. I think TikTok, the Chinese government just called TikTok um, fentanyl for the masses, digital, oh, okay. fe- digital fentanyl. I completely agree. Yeah. 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 Oh, Remember man. when Steppenwolf said, buy all of the guns and explode them to space in 1968? Well, I'd buy all the iPhones and explode them to space. So, so you, have a, you have a very strong case there. Um, yeah. What's your family situation? Wait, you're, how long have you been married? How many kids do you have? What about you personally? Um, married this time? Ah, okay. What are those? <laughs> had, I was curious. I've had several. This is a rock and roll business. I've had uh-huh. a few. I got three great kids. One of them will be 32 tomorrow. She's my middle. One of them's 41, and one of them's 24, be 25 a week after me in October. Okay. And uh, a week after I turn 70, she'll turn 25. And uh, they're all great. And uh, because we're in the, we've been all over. We lived in in Mallorca, Spain, for uh, the island in the Mediterranean for six years. I have my studio there. I'd still be there today, except my youngest needed to go to a, a real school. Mm. And there, and there weren't any on his island, yeah. so we moved back to Germany. But we lived up by the North Sea, which is the north of Germany, down in Bavaria, by Munich, by the mountains. And now we're living, as I mentioned before in the story about the wind, not far from Frankfurt, which is a, exactly in the middle of Germany. So one of my kids, two of my kids are down south, and one's up north. And they all take trains and they visit me. Or I take Good. trains and I visit them. Good. And we kind of, my wife and I kind of make the rounds. Of the That's kids. great. It is, it is great. I got a granddaughter. She'll be nice. seven. Nice. I mean, I wish I had five, but I only have one. And uh-huh. I, I keep bugging my, they're all girls. I don't have any uh-huh. boys. And <laughs> I keep bugging them to, you know, produce. Uh-huh. And nah, <laughs> dad, we're working, you know, this and that. But my family situation is terrific. My wife's Good fabulous. We're is she German? Team. Of course she's German. Okay. How long have you been married? Jeez, uh, i got to think. 10 years? Okay. Good yeah. for you. Good for you. Uh, the one before that was 20 years. 
Oh, wow. I'm the Marian kind. <laughs> you are. <laughs> First time Once I got you married, get committed, you're committed for a while. Yes. You know what? Here's the whole thing. And, and this it costs, this cost, this is so expensive. Uh-huh. But I don't have girlfriends. Mm. I mean, when I decided in my head I was an adult, that's not true. I wasn't an adult until I was 50. But when I decided in my head now I'm an adult, I did what my parents did. Yeah. I mean, my dad and mom were 18 and 17, I think, when they got married. I was 20 the first uh-huh. time I got married. Yeah. And there was a child there, too. She had a, it was not my mm. natural child, but okay. she's over 50 now, you know. Wow. And, uh, Wow. I'm the Mar- I'm the Marian kind. I don't want to have girlfriends. Exactly what it. I mean, regardless of the price, mm-hmm. and I never had a prenup, so the price is hefty. <laughs> You've made it work. Okay, couple more questions. Hell yes, hell yes. It, I don't even have to. I don't have to do anything. I just sit here and it works. I mean, <laughs> I, it, talk about being spiritual. The, the universe fucking loves me, and that's what Lucky Us is about. The yeah. record. Is it yeah. if you've got a roof over your head and you're not cold and you've got something in the refrigerator and you know you don't owe people money and they're going to kill you for it and whatever you you can't as a privileged American Canadian Scandinavian or European you can't begin to comprehend what's happening in India and in China for instance oh I, especially yes. India India is yes. set to be the most populous nation on the planet. Mm-hmm. Got a billion and a half people. Most of them are wallowing in mm-hmm. poverty that we can't even understand. You can't comprehend. Yeah. So yeah, that's what Lucky Us is about. Yeah, uh, it's very at true. Its, at its core, I mean, yeah. Be grateful. You don't know how good you got it. Yeah, that's so true. So true. Yeah. Um, okay, one last musical thing I want to ask you about those Stanislaus yeah. uh, County covers albums that yeah, you made. Sounds to Stanislaus County kid. That's, that's me. Right. I'm from Turlock, California, in the middle of Stanislaus County, right. California. Okay. Yeah, that's it. Okay, what makes I'm I'm always fascinated by the covers people choose to perform. Why is it because they love the song? Is it because they think they can add something to it? What made you decide on those songs? Do you have a favorite? There's two albums worth of covers, by the way, for anyone who doesn't know. Yeah. uh, My favorite would be My Heroes Have Always Been Cowboys. Ah, good Uh, one. I grew up dreaming of being a cowboy loving the cowboy ways pursuing of my highlighted heroes I burned up my childhood days I learned all the rules Of a modern day drifter Don't you hold on to nothing too long Take what you need From the ladies and leave them With the words of a sad calm song My heroes have always been cowboys And it's still all it seems Sadly in search of and One stepping back of themselves And their slow-moving dreams
because uh, Willie Nelson's my favorite singer. Period. Oh, and, that explains uh, a lot. The long hair and everything. I get it. Well, he yeah, he copied me. That's his name. That's, that's it. <laughs> he copied you. <laughs> yeah, Willie Willie Nelson, Merle Haggard, yeah, Waylon Jennings, all the outlaw country. That's that's where I come from. That's my my thing. That's and great. these are songs. Simon and Garfunkel. I did Sounds of Silence. These are songs that I heard when I was really impressionable, like from five years old to 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 fifteen years old. When you're really impressionable, it will soak everything up. And like anybody that grew up in the '90s is going to have Nirvana somewhere mm -hmm. in their in their musical DNA. I grew up in the in the '50s mm -hmm. and the '60s, and so you know, I did uh, I covered uh, Van Morrison, mm -hmm. two of his songs actually, and I covered. Queen's Clearwater, Sam Cooke. I did. I think I did a change. It's gonna come. Unchained Melody. Unchained Melody. Yeah. I mean, this is the stuff that, you know, I my first slow dance. I didn't I didn't cover Whiter Shade of Pale and I should have, because mm -hmm. the first time I ever danced with a girl was to Whiter Shade of Pale. So Ooh. that's what that was. I, the, nice. These I think it's 20 songs or yeah. 22 or whatever it is Something on these like two records. But there's a reason for those records. Here's the thing. I got I did them while I was recovering from my cancer surgery. And they are bucket list records yeah. i wasn't sure how it was going to go nobody is ever uh especially after uh of a surgery where they got to cut into your belly mm -hmm. i mean uh it's really really dangerous and they sent me home i got an infection uh, sepsis mm -hmm. and they took me rushed me back to the hospital operated again and i wasn't sure how things were going to go and how long i was going to be there so i and I had my studio and I said, well, what haven't I done mm -hmm. that I can do all alone? Mm -hmm. You know, because I didn't want you really didn't want to see people. I didn't want to talk to people. I was recovering. I, could, I didn't have any voice to speak of, although I squeaked those. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I was. I was in a I had a breathing tube. I was intubated for, Ooh, you know, really? for a long time and uh, a while. And scratches your vocal cords yeah uh, which healed but i came out and i could uh, you know it sounded like miles davis <laughs> and talking and i didn't know if i could do anything so i did i said well what do i want to do well i definitely want to do a christmas album mm -hmm. uh, uh uh and not 
Mariah Carey Christmas albums, but Christmas album songs that I'd, I'd heard growing up in the church, uh, hymns. So I did an album called Christmas Hymns. And then I said, I also do want to do some cover stuff. And I did the two Stanislaus County Kid albums. They're bucket list albums. In, yeah, in, case, in case I I escape this mortal coil without having sung A Change Is Gonna Come or My Heroes Have Always yes. Been Cowboys. Oh, that's it. It's beautiful. Beautiful. Uh, anything left? What do you do with the rest of your life? Do you tour around Germany? Do you put out albums when you get the vibe? What do you? What happens now? Yeah, well, all of the above. I, okay. I have a. We have a group here uh, called the Soulmates, mm. put together by a guy named Leslie Mandoki, who's uh, like the Quincy Jones of Europe. He's produced everybody, and and mm. Chris Thompson was in the group, mm. uh, but. We're playing with Randy Brecker's in plays with this. Ian Anderson from Jethro Tull. Oh, he's been on John here. He John Haleywell from uh, uh, from Supertramp. Uh, we have Mike Stern plays guitar and Aldi wow. Miola play guitar. Wow. We, had Shaka, we had Shaka Khan. We had a Spice Girl, Mel C. We've got Italian tenors, oh. like like world-famous Italian tenors. Yeah. We've got the best of the best of the best. Jack Bruce. Wow. Uh, John Lord. Just oh my gosh. The best, the best of the best of the best. And uh it's this musical collective, and it's been 30 years, and I've been part of it for, for 20. And these days I'm the lead singer, uh, with the with with Leslie, who who sings about as much as I do. He plays the drums uh -huh. and sings and produces the records. And uh it's just an amazing, amazing thing. And we play he's Hungarian, and he's like mm -hmm. Hungarian. He's like Yuri Gagarin would be in yeah. Russia, or Neil Armstrong would be in America. He's a yeah. hero. He's okay. almost, he almost, he's almost on a banknote, you know. Oh wow! We play every year uh, around the twentieth of August. We play in Budapest, and uh, that's their national holiday, like Fourth of July. Uh huh. And we played uh, two years ago for thirty thousand people, and we played six years ago for about sixty thousand people in the in the in the main square and have all these guests and then we have uh special guests that are hungarian superstars and they come yeah. and do it and so i to having the time of my life and and i play a, a real hammond organ not a not a not a wow uh, you know not one of the real yeah. ones uh -huh. <laughs> a real hammond organ and sing it and everybody does exactly what they want to do there's Goodness. no there's no rules it's not like a rehearsed thing yeah and as the songs could be 15 minutes long but you're talking about al Demiola trading with mike stern trading with randy brecker with bill evans on the saxophone these uh, are guys from miles davis's band yeah yeah trading with ian anderson on the flute and Corey henry you know him oh he, no he i don't plays, know Corey henry. Uh, the best keyboard player in town wow. john lord yeah uh, and then and then uh, Chaka Khan will sing, and then I'll sing. It's just a fantastic thing. Oh, my gosh. So that takes up a, a lot of my time and energy. That's great. Uh, Good for these you. Days. Good it's for great. you. There's another album waiting. Oh, but, fun. But, it's, I mean, I haven't made it yet. I mean, there's another album on the horizon. The trouble is, actually, I take it really, really seriously. I don't write pop. And I write stories. Everything I write is a you story. You do. And, oh, very well. And I don't have any stories at the moment, oh. uh, but I'm starting to think about it. Lucky Us is all stories about my childhood. Yeah. And I, I, that was also was a um, uh, bucket list album. Mm. 
And now I'm starting to get a glimpse of, of what I want to do and with the caveat that it's got to be even simpler than Lucky Us. If, if mm. then, I mean. Wow. Even, I don't know if you can get much simpler than Lucky Us. A little Us. bit. A little okay. bit. Okay. Vocal and acoustic guitar, that's simple. Yeah. Oh, that's true. That'll do it. Bo no. with, bongo, with bongo drums. Uh -huh. Vocal, Ooh, acoustic guitar, bongo nice. drums, ukulele. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I can get that simple. That sounds beautiful. I, that I could take I could take another stone out of the garden. <laughs> That's beautiful. A couple of years ago, you put out a, a single. We hear you calling. The wrath of God came pouring down on Saint John, and it tore that whole damn island into shreds. A green helicopter soaring over the south lawn While the newspeak robber baron lies in bed And back in the real world With the TV on The man with the party girls And the red Yeah. Was, what was that? Was that just a one-off? I went to Ojai, uh, oh. California, which is uh, where the Super Trap studio is, mm. uh, with great fucking musicians. I had, the names escaped me at the moment, it's embarrassing, yeah. but I had That's the okay. uh, bass and drums for Roger Waters' band. I had Eric Clapton, steel guitar player. These are the best guys in town. Wow. Uh, I had a great key keyboard player that played Fleetwood Mac. and. Uh, I went and did two days in the studio and recorded eight songs. Uh, uh, one of my releases as well was a cover of Deportee, the, yeah. the Woody, thank you, the Woody, uh -huh. that's good song. <laughs> In their creosote dumps They're flying back To the Mexican border To pay all their money To wait back again My father's own father He waited that river they took all the money he made in his life My brothers and sisters came working the fruit trees And they rode on the truck till they took down and died But We Hear You Calling was the only one I wanted to release at the time because do you remember when Mr. Trump went to Puerto Rico, was throwing paper towels out to flood victims? Yes, I remember this. And the I'm still scarred by it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 
we hear you calling, but we don't care. That's the, yeah. that's the, that's the chorus. And that was, yeah. once again, that was fodder for all the songwriters around the world would see that man mm-hmm. throwing rows of bounty to people that didn't have a roof and it rained out and his kids were in cholera and typhus and whatever's in the water. So he's throwing them paper towels. Yeah, yeah. As if he was doing them a favor. Right, right. Probably, probably carrying an upside-down Bible. You know, uh-huh. mm-hmm. whatever. But that's what I don't want to be political. But anyway, that's what we hear you calling is about. Yeah, okay. So I have I do have the rest of the Ojai sessions. I think they're good. But what happened was this was January of 2020. And you know the rest. Mm-hmm. I got COVID at the airport, one of the airports. I, I flew from Franklin, really? which is a hub airport, to LAX, which is a hub in Los Angeles, uh-huh. which is a hub airport. It did the session, came back, was never, never had a cough like that in my life. I yeah. Thank God I only got a cough, but I couldn't catch my breath. I had it. just coughing. This unbelievable. I went to a doctor. He says, you've got a viral infection. And this was in the end of January. Oh, wow. So I go out on tour, which I do periodically with my buddy, Peter Maffei. He of the 50 million records, mm-hmm. the fame, played sold out arenas. And we got through three shows and they shut everything down as luck. Oh, yeah. And then the pandemic. And yeah. the pandemic murdered, uh, absolutely murdered the the Ohio sessions because the sure. only two that that were complete enough without me flying back to L.A. Mm-hmm. Remember, we did all this in just two days, mm-hmm. and the only a day and a half actually, and and just played them down, and and they were great rough tracks, but they you know I want need to go back, mm-hmm. and uh, COVID shut them down, so mm-hmm. that's there somewhere too. I wondered. Well, sounds great. I'll be looking forward to whatever it is you do, Tony. I've just, I've, I've just thought, what is the Tony Carey story? This guy is so interesting to me. His career is unique; it's unlike anyone else's. And I want to know what motivated all of it. And now I know. Thanks for chatting with me. It means a lot. You, you think you know? I lie. <laughs> John, has been, John has been a pleasure. Nice, Thank you, Tony. Nice talking to you. You too. All right, there you have it, Tony Carey. I've always wondered what that guy's story is, and I am so glad that he shared it with us because I think he's a really interesting guy. And again, you know, I haven't heard much about Tony since the early 80s, since Fine Fine Day, and yet he's been out there never stopping for decades. We just don't know. Anyway, I love his personality. I thought I thought that was really fun. I hope you guys did too. I want to close it out with the title track off of that Lucky Us album, because it's really beautiful. It's just him and a piano for the most part. Anyway, hope you enjoy it. Check out a lot of his stuff. Most of it's on Spotify, either under his own name or Planet P. And sometimes it's a Planet P album under Tony Carey or vice versa. It's all confusing, but it's all there. All right? Hope you enjoyed that. Now, next week's guest is another big-time producer. And this guy gave me like two hours of his time. And so we just went right down the line of his resume all the cool stuff that he's worked on that I love. And if you guys know my taste in music you and love it too, that's why you listen to this podcast, you will enjoy hearing from this particular producer. That's who's up next week. Now, Yan didn't get around to the deep dive this week. Hopefully he can get to it this next weekend. Um, that should be good. There's also going to be a book club coming out soon. In fact, a couple of book clubs should be coming out soon of all kinds. Anyway, We're kind of ramping back up. There's going to be some more bonus material coming out. just depends on Yan and his schedule. Huge thanks, as always, to Yan, the man, of course, 
Uh, you guys, you can like our Facebook page. You can send us a message on there. You can send us an email at thehustlepod at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Twitter at thehustlepod. Um, I know I've said this before. I'm not trying to be an alarmist. I am thinking of stepping away from Twitter. I'm sort of burnt out on it. And for my own mental health, it's just better. I'll probably still tweet out when we release new episodes. But I may just not spend a lot of time on there. But uh, that's where I'm connected to a lot of you. So I don't want to be cut off. But I may take a break. Anyway, love you all. Thank you for all the support all this time. We'll talk to you soon.